There's never been a more important time to ensure your immune system is operating at its peak. This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman with a new natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals created exclusively to help promote a better immune response. Elderberry with Zinc and Echinacea. Future Farm's Elderberry with Zinc and Echinacea is the first to combine these three powerful ingredients together. Elderberry is packed with antioxidants, vitamins, and may boost your immune system. Echinacea has been shown to activate chemicals in the body that decrease inflammation, and zinc activates T lymphocytes. Low zinc has been associated with increased susceptibility. For more information and order, call 888-841-7216. That's 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's future P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Elderberry with zinc and echinacea is all natural science-based and works without adverse side effects. Myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Our guest is Dr. Valencia Porter. She's an MD. She's also a master's in public health. Uh, she has uh, worked together with Dr. Deepak Chopra at the Chopra Center for Wellbeing. Uh, and she's trained in Ayurvedic medicine as well as traditional, uh, well, I should say, yeah, Ayurvedic traditional, uh, modern medical techniques. She's well-credentialed in uh, conventional medicine as well. Uh, she's written a book about uh, environmental toxins and what we can do to safeguard ourselves and our families from some of these challenges. And it's a very succinct, well-written book that I think will provide you with a great introduction to some of the threats that are out there. Um, so let's go through some of these. Uh, flame retardants uh, and Teflon, they're, they're related compounds uh, even the, you know, certain states like California mandate particularly high levels of these things in everything that comes in contact with, with kids, mattresses, and even PJs, uh, children's toys for some reason. Uh, the, the problem was highlighted in a recent movie, Dark Waters, uh, which starred Mark Ruffalo. It's an amazing movie. Go see it because, uh, it really, uh, gets you upset about what the, uh, chemical industry is doing to suppress uh, really important information about what they're doing out there. Um, so what's going on with that? You know, I think that the shorthand for these PFAs, PF, PFOs, uh, perfluoro compounds. Yeah, these uh, perfluoro compounds are really persistent and um, they are on, as you mentioned, all a variety of products. Um, one thing that you didn't mention is our electronics, so all of our computers, our TVs, and everything. And they uh, off-gas into the air. Also, the dust also will come out, too, especially in our you know, upholstered furniture. They will spray pounds and pounds into the foam that's in our furniture, um, and, that, and then creating this dust as well. And these yeah, that's compounds one of the reasons are, why it's so hard to be a firefighter because this stuff combusts and then, oh my God, you breathe it and oh, it's terrible, you know, what they're exposed yeah, and to. Some of the firefighting agencies are, you know, you would think that they would be 
for flame retardants, but now that they've seen the consequences and what happens when they actually do set a fire uh, and the toxins that are released when that happens, um, many agencies are actually against them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are hormonal disruptors, um, so especially for our thyroid. And part of how I got interested in this uh, whole field of toxicity was I kept seeing pa- all my patients were hypothyroid. So many. It's, it's like normal. It's like normal for a middle-aged yeah. woman to be hypothyroid these days. Not only middle-aged. It was like every children, single patient coming into my office. I was like, children. why is everybody hypothyroid? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so it's also a potential um, carcinogen, a, uh, neurodevelopmental toxins. So many of these toxins, especially the ones that I'm very amped up about, probably because of my child neurology background, are uh, affect neurodevelopment affect brain development in children and affect their IQs. So um, these things are everywhere, and um, especially children are vulnerable um, because of, number one, they have immature detoxification systems, especially very young children, because they're just not fully developed. And number two, because of their proximity to the ground. So as mm-hmm. these things... They're on the floor, they're picking up stuff, putting it in their mouths. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I'm really concerned about, you know, everybody's health, but particularly our children. Um, and then these things are even in their pajamas. So, you know, one of the titles of one of the sections of my book was Buy Your Child Tight Pajamas <laughs> because it's those loose... You know, pajamas, the cute ones with the cute characters on them, those are all doused with flame retardants mm. because, uh, you know, the, the supposition is that those loose arms or pants, pant legs, are going to catch fire. But if you have an organic cotton pajama that's tight, then they're not required to uh, put those flame retardants on Oh, that's on interesting. Them. That is interesting. So you yeah. can, there's a workaround. Yeah. Great. There is a workaround. Yes, I was my my kids eventually got tired of these tight pajamas. <laughs> 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 I was, uh, but eventually they aged. So it's only up. I forgot what the age is, but only up until a certain age um, do they. Or I guess it's like the children's pajama. Once they get adult size, then they they don't have to have that on there. It's okay to, it's but, okay to um, smoke in bed and burn up. Then right. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so these these fire retardant chemicals, and you know many of these. Retardant, you know, the whatever retardant. So, yeah. the, the things that are non-stick or, um, wrinkle resistant, so retardant yes. resistant. Yep. When we hear those words, mm-hmm. it often has these tonic, uh, toxic chemicals in it. It's treated, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, so, flame retardants, I, you know, I don't think there's any benefit when I was looking at, you know, on the firefighter side. Is there any benefit to these? It doesn't seem to be any benefit to using these ones. Wrinkle resistant, stain resistant, like, okay, that, that could be convenient, but do we really want to deal with these and the, these toxins? And the big issue is that they persist in the environment. They do mm-hmm. not go away. And so it's just more and more and more. And, you know, at, w- at one point, are we going to say enough is enough? Right. Uh, phthalates. Phthalates in the crosshairs these days uh, because they're the plasticizers that also are endocrine disruptors. What's up with that? Yeah. So these plasticizers tend to make um, plastic more pliable. Um, they... 
are often in, they were often used in a lot of um, baby products, um, but those have been, you know, taken out because we realized how horrible that is for children. They are also endocrine disruptors there, but they're still everywhere else. So they they appear in many different products, including um, cosmetics. So part of um, what I look at in the book is going from the inside out. So I start with food and then I go out to, you know, what are we putting on our skin? Um, and particularly women, we tend to put a lot of products on our skin, and much of that gets absorbed. Um, women put on between 6 and 12, some people maybe even more products a day, and that can be over a 100 different types of compounds that we're then taking in, and phthalates are one of them um, that we are exposed to. Um, so some things about phthalates is um, one interesting thing, is that there is now been shown an association between phthalate exposure and diabetes. So many yes. of these chemicals I'm, I'm are, glad you went there. Um, because that's a very important point uh, that uh, has been brought up, is that they, you know, an endocrine disruptor, you know, and it, our pancreas is an endocrine organ, and you yes. disrupt uh, the, pan- the effect of the pancreas or you make cells more insulin-resistant. You know, why are we seeing such so much diabetes? Is it merely because uh, people aren't exercising enough and they're eating too much? Yeah, that's part of the equation, but environmental toxicity figures in. Yeah, yeah. So they're in, you know, they're in everything. Um, unfortunately, in the hospital, they can be in IV tubing, blood bags, and pharmaceuticals, and uh, but I think a lot of people's exposures actually are from their personal care products. Um, in addition to, you know, plastics in our environment. Um, but the, yeah, so the endocrine findings and the insulin resistance and uh, possible association with diabetes is something that many people don't know about, but it also can affect um, neurodevelopment as well. There have been some associations with exposure specifically in, in utero, um, leading to uh, issues with motor functioning later uh, in childhood. So it's even these early exposures um, that make a difference. And, um, yeah, I, as I said, I'm very concerned about our children. Um, also affecting cognition, too. Um, there was a study, I forgot what institution, um, but they showed that women, uh, sorry, children of mothers who had the highest levels had lower IQ points. Yikes. Um, so really, you know, these things are so pervasive and they have these huge effects, so affecting uh, neurologic development, affecting... Uh, you know, our obesity issues and our diabetes issues. Um, I'm, it's, it's really something that needs to be looked at. And then, as I said, you know, they looked at banning it in, in children's toys, but it's everywhere. What about uh, glyphosate? And again, controversial because uh, uh, Bayer, which has bought Monsanto and saw about a 40% drop in their stock value because of the ongoing litigation about glyphosate, uh, they uh, are fighting a valiant battle to push back against these class action lawsuits uh, from people who feel like 
their cancer may have been triggered by glyphosate. Um, in fact, there's a big case going on right now where uh, it looks like they're going to settle. They don't want to go to court. They don't want the adverse publicity. So they're going to sign a confidentiality agreement, uh, pay some money out, and hopefully uh, minimize their damage, keep it down to, you know, a few billion. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, the other agencies have found an association with cancer, the um, World Health Organization um, agency that looks at cancer. Um, and and it, it, the data does not look good, and I understand that why they would want to suppress it. And the thing about glyphosate, so I think most people are aware about it now, but it was used as an herbicide on our agri- agricultural crops. And the gardeners know reason- it was Roundup. I mean, I used to yeah. gleefully spray Roundup on my garden. It was so gratifying because you'd hit those weeds, and boom, they would die. Yeah. They would die, but the re- part of the reasoning for using that is they they thought that there would need to be less uh, herbicide used. But now the we, we're getting these super weeds, so the amounts that are used have escalated, you know, infinitesimally. The rates that are being used are are just skyrocketing. So they're actually using more and more instead of less and less as it was in t- uh, initially supposedly designed. Um, but you touched on the cancer aspect. But one thing that people uh, may not be aware with, it, aware of is these endocrine-disrupting effects of glyphosate at even lower concentrations. Mm-hmm. So, when it, you know, hormones work So you don't have to be a landscaper on, or a farmer or, you know, to, yeah. you know, to experience that. Hormonal effects are seen at these micrograms, these small infinitesimal, if, if somebody's on a thyroid medication, we're giving them micrograms, not milligrams, right? So it's these small levels that can have these endocrine uh, effects, and they're actually showing that, you know, there may be endocrine-disrupting effects even on, on male reproduction at low doses. Um, and then there are also some... Uh, some things looking at non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which has also become somewhat of an epidemic Mm -hmm. as well. And at that relationship as well to levels of glyphosate. Um, And another thing about Roundup is that it's not just glyphosate. And it's a proprietary blend, as many of these products are, which Mm -hmm. means we we don't have a right to know exactly what's in it. Mm. So Studies have been showing that the formulation of Roundup is more toxic than just glyphosate alone. So if we test so, glyphosate, we find, you know, eh, it's not so bad. You know, we can feed it to rats and they don't die. Uh, the stuff that's commercially available is different. And then we, you know, we don't know what the long-term yeah. effects are. Yeah. But, you know, what's interesting, I think if we talk about all these different chemicals. Um, if you test the average person, uh you know, the average nursing mother, you can even test breast milk, you know, test the urine, test the blood. Um, everybody's got some levels of these things. And that's concerning because there's a synergistic effect. Uh, it's not just exposure to one chemical. We test these things on the basis of a single exposure. But then when we're exposed to, you know, multiple agents simultaneously, uh, this can have a knock-on effect. Yes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. When we look at research, 
they are usually looking at one chemical for a relatively short period of time. They are not looking at this soup, <laughs> chemical soup that we're exposed to over a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, studies, if they show that there's harm, you know, then that's harm. But just because they're not showing harm in a single um, application of, of, you know, a, sing- a single substance over a short period of time doesn't mean that they're not harmful. Let's move on to BPA. You know, it's the can lining, but it's also uh, the stuff on receipts. Uh, New York, you know, they're always looking for something to ban here in New York. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and rightly so. I mean, this, this is the epicenter of the, of the cigarette ban, you know, which I think was very prescient. You know, as so they used to go in a bar and, you know, everybody's smoking and you thought, well, that's, you know, if you don't like it, don't go in a bar. Now you, there's no sure. public spaces in New York or, or in many metropolitan cities. Even in Ireland, you can't, it's, it strikes me as funny as, uh, that you can, you can't go into a bar in, uh, in Dublin, uh, mm-hmm. smoking a cigarette. <laughs> but, um, it, BPA and BPS are in the crosshairs. And why is that? Well, BPA, um, bisphenol A, it has been around for a long time, and it's been known to mimic estrogen since the 1930s. So why this is all of a sudden a surprise, uh, you know, I don't know. But um, it is another endocrine disruptor. Um, it's associated with, you know, those types of effects, so if affecting female production, affecting reproductive development, um, metabolism also associated with insulin resistance and cognitive function. But you're, you're right, it is everywhere. Um, it's in these, it used to be in bottles. Now we see these BPA-free bottles. It's in but the, receipts. But the substitute the is not more... Yeah. So when they say BPA free, that we don't know what that means. And so they, many have substituted with other bisphenols. So there are BPA analogs. There's BPS, but Mm -hmm. also BPB and BPF. And what the uh, National Toxicology Program um, put out a statement that said that many of these BPA analogs are active at concentrations similar to or lower than BPA. Mm-hmm. So they may actually be stronger chemicals that are now being used in these products that are now labeled BPA-free. I mean, what's the solution? So, just, just avoiding cans altogether? Because uh, that's well, what I'm doing now. I mean, I, I want to get it in glass, you know, I, I, it, and it's more expensive yeah. and it's not great for the environment. But if I'm getting like, say, uh, you know, uh, artichoke hearts or uh, palm hearts, you know, which is something I like to throw in my salad, I get it in glass now. I don't I don't use the cans anymore. Yeah. If I mean, if that's possible, there are um, some brands that are committed to being more healthy. Um, and they use other things, although I was just researching this the other day and I was looking at, um, it was Amy's Organics and looking at what they use and they are, they seem very transparent. I was looking at their website and I think they said they use acrylic and one other thing on the liner. And I, so then I was like, well, let me, I'm going to have to go and research and think about what 
are the potential effects there mm-hmm. uh, of of having acrylic in touch with my food. Doesn't sound um, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't sound appealing. So, but if if it's a can and you look inside, there's it's, there, there's going to be a liner in, uh, of some sort in there, especially if it's an acidic type food mm-hmm. like tomato sauce. You know, otherwise it would eat eat through the can. Yeah, so you wouldn't want the you wouldn't it, want the metal in the, in your food either. That's not good either. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and then I'm concerned about the uh, the boxes that are also substitutes yes. for mm-hmm. um, for the cans. And how many well, of the fast food you know, packaging is problematic things. too, right? Because they, it, you know, it's yep. it's like why doesn't your pizza stick to the carton like it used to? I mean, we used to uh, when I was in college, we had pizza, and, and I remember you'd peel it off of the cardboard, and half of it would be sticking to the cardboard. So we would sort of lick it off the cardboard. But at least we didn't get you know some of these. Uh, uh, these non-stick substances that make it easy to peel the pizza off the carton. Yeah, yeah. I guess the uh, the moral of the story is life should be a little harder. <laughs> I, <laughs> and, I remember and, my my friend from the Netherlands. Um, we were talking many years ago, and he said, "What is wrong with your bread?" Huh. And I said, "What do you mean, your yeah. bread? In the United States, it doesn't go stale." There's, oh. there's something wrong there. Yeah. Why is your bread yeah. not going stale? Uh. Bread should go stale after a couple of days. Yeah. And that was before I knew anything. But now thinking back to that conversation, I was like, oh, he was really on to something. That's right. You know, I mean, why can we, why the bakeries would have a, a sale for stale bread. You know, it's like you sure. wanted it fresh, you pay a little more. And then the next day, here's the counter with the stale bread. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, moving along, we you know organophosphates and is is chlorpyrifos, which is in the crosshairs, is that formerly an organophosphate? Is these are yes, uh, yeah. that is one of the organophosphate pesticides. So yeah, a lot of those have you know these neurotoxic effects. Um, and again, affecting brain development for for children. It's kind of like in the category um, with the sarin gas, right? You know, that's an organophosphate uh, poison, right? Yeah, it's not. It's not a friendly. Uh, <laughs> they don't have good company there. Yeah. I, I don't think. So, especially the chlorpyrifos, which you know they've shown it impairs with brain development, neurologic development, um, and the EPA actually um, banned it for household use. In 2000, due to these concerns about pretty common insecticide, right? I mean, it's a bug spray. Or, yeah, or, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's yeah, it was used as bug spray. Use it around the house, but that's been banned. But it's still used in agriculture on more than a hundred crops. Um, and then you know, from about 2000 to 2014, the EPA took multiple actions. You know, they were kind of working on this. It looked, it looked promising that they were going to get this out of the system. In 2016, they proposed a complete ban of it, but then with the change of the administration in 2017, they reversed that decision, um, and it, it is another one of those chemicals that is persistent. It sticks to the soil. It's carried by wind, and, um, you know, it's everywhere. Yeah. So it, it affects neurodevelopment, there's a higher likelihood of um, autistic spectrum disorder in children born within, uh, sorry, born to mothers who reside within uh, one and a half kilometers of uh, 
agriculture places where they're spraying organophosphate pesticides. Mm. And if the strongest association is for chlorpyrifos. And what about uh, pyrethrins? Pyrethrins, is, I mean, it, it has kind of a, a green uh, aura about it because pyrethrins are part of the, I think, certain plants. I think daisies have pyrethrins, if I'm not mistaken, or some marigolds or some plants make their own yes. pyrethrins. Is that? Marigolds, right. yes. And pyrethrins are a lot of the, you know, kind of the less heavy-duty uh, bug sprays. I mean, we're all concerned, obviously, about Lyme disease. We're concerned about mosquitoes that may be Zika-bearing mosquitoes. And so, you know, at times we want to spray ourselves. We're going to the woods. Uh, are pyrethroids or pyrethrins a safer alternative, or is there a downside to those? Yeah, I mean, it It also depends on the processing. So, uh, you know, where are you getting them from? And so in my garden, I actually planted the marigolds mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> instead of spraying an extract. Um, but, you know, the other aspect that we have to look at is what is the effect of of this on our greater environment? So this, um, you know, some of these really affect are pollinator species like bees, uh, chlorpyrifos yep. is one of those as well, too. And um, they are toxic to bees. Uh, chlorpyrifos is also toxic to earthworms. Oh, boy. Which I, are very important you know, for soil regeneration, yeah. Yeah, some people don't like earthworms, but they're so important for our soil. Yep. And so we look at all this, you know, destruction. So I really... Uh, urge people to shift to what you know what's called integrated pest management so figuring out what what plants are going to help repel the pest what are the practices that you can do barrier methods um, what are you know certain plants when planted together can be more beneficial and if we have soil that's healthy there are less pests mm -hmm. So it really is a, a holistic and integrated approach to to look at what's uh, how to deal with these these pests, and you know that was all pointed out by by Rachel Carson way way back in in, in the nineteen sixties, and she saw you know that the the use of these sprays, these toxic sprays, was actually making the problem worse. Uh, I remember her uh, in the book she talks about the fire ant problem and that they were trying to deal with these fire ants, which I can only imagine how annoying and disruptive that would be to have a fire ant invasion. But everything that they were using was just making things mm -hmm. more and more, uh, unfortunately, resilient to those uh, chemicals that they were using. So they were just using more and more chemicals and getting a worse and worse problem. So, you know, really looking at that root cause of what is causing the infestation in the first place, you know, what is, what is causing it? What, what can we do to prevent it instead of just dousing all these sides, insecticides, pesticides, herbicides, and trying to bomb our way through <laughs> to, so that nothing is living. Well, it didn't work in uh, Vietnam. The defoliation uh, uh, campaign uh, didn't uh, turn the tide of the war and, uh, defoliating our environment, defoliating our uh, bodies with all kinds of chemicals. Uh, it's, we're not going to ultimately win that war. And so a wonderful introduction to your book, Resilient Health. And in the book, you know, they're, they're tangible and plausible 
uh, and actionable solutions. It's a great guide to some of the challenges that uh, we experience in our day-to-day lives. Valencia Porter, uh, thank you very much for joining us. And just give us some resources, by the way. Uh, you know, is there a website for the book or is there a website for you? Yes. So my website is valenciaporter.com and there is also a website resilienthealthbook.com. Um, and speaking of chlorpyrifos, I would just urge people there are two bills. Uh, one in the House and one in the Senate. The House bill is the Ban Toxic Pesticides Act of 2019 that includes chlorpyrifos on there. And the Senate bill is Senate Bill 921, which is Protect Children, Farmers, and Farm Workers from Nerve Agent Pesticides Act of 2019. I would urge people to contact their representatives and ask them to please support those bills. Right about now, uh, your representatives are busy doing something else. <laughs> so it's, it's likely that yes. their attention will turn to <laughs> yes, these pressing Yeah, things have been problems. on hold for, for quite a while now. Yeah. So. So there's a little bit of a distractor going on. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, all the best to you as you uh, uh, help to uh, detoxify uh, you know, patients uh, because that's a fundamental path towards reclaiming our health. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. The book is Resilient Health by today's guest, Dr. Valencia Porter. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile friendly site, it's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com, drhoffmanstore.com.